Hello and welcome to the Dream Swarm podcast. This is your home for supernatural film, stories and art. I'm your host, magic realist filmmaker Andy Mark Simpson. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Dream Swarm podcast. I'm really pleased today to welcome George Popper back to the show, a returning guest and we're going to talk about his new documentary, Sideworld, Terrors of the Sea. So good morning, George. Good morning, buddy. It's nice to be here again. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really pleased you've come back. And I'm looking forward to getting stuck into the discussion about your new documentary, Sideworld, Terrors of the Sea. But you've made quite a few films before. Would you be able to give us a quick reintroduction to yourself before we talk about your new doc? My name is George Popoff, and I've directed all these films. And I'm also a co-owner of our company, Rubicon Films. And we've made two feature narrative films called Hex and the Droving. And then after that, we've gone into this Sideworld venture, which is our series of horror documentaries about folklore and horror stories. The uh, first one being Sideworld Haunted Forests of England, which we talked about on the previous episode. So I will recommend everyone to go listen to that one first, and it will give you a good introduction in terms of what we do. And so it was a great episode about that film as well. We talked about the allure of the haunting forests and everything. And our, our second one, one we're going to talk about now, is the Sideworld Terrors of the Sea, taking a more uh, nautical horror theme and introduce those stories in that environment, that biome. So it was a great experience, and uh, yeah, it's great to talk about it. Well, listeners as George was saying George was on an episode a few months ago talking about his feature films Hex and The Droven which are kind of good folk horror narrative features and then the folk horror documentary Haunted Forests of England which is really great for getting into the folklore of different ghostly figures in the woods and that kind of thing as you're saying George your new show takes a different setting which is folklore and folk horror documentary about sea and maritime folklore so would you be able to give us an introduction to this uh, side world terrors of the sea it was a great experience doing it because the, the sea itself is a, is a theme i always felt it would have to be a, a more open and, and epic topic than what it felt like the the more uh, obscure and mysterious um, forest-driven atmosphere was on the previous one. Instead of going to three different locations on, on the forest like we did before, this is more segmented to four chapters of different almost sub-genres of sea folklore and, and horror, starting with ghost ships and then going into sea monsters, coastal ghosts of spectral sailors, and then we end on the um, topic of mermaids and uh, the both alluring and terrifying and possibly even some realistic side of them as well. So yeah, we kind of kind of try to cover it all, and it's all under a. Say that this film even has more of a, a through line of a theme to it to unify all these chapters, even more so than than the first one, because it really seemed like the connection between mankind and sea throughout the years, and what these stories really mean, and where they come from. They have a lot in common in terms of how we feel about it, and the whole duality between us land lovers and the and the ocean. Yeah, because in the documentary you talk about that, and you know what it is about the the sea that gives it that mystery serious kind of intersection between where humans have maybe grew up on land and then that kind of humans venturing into the unknown and into this side yeah. world of the mysterious elements of a, a sea and the depth and the isolation of it you talk about that and how that is maybe the the source of some of this folklore that are the kind of the reason why there's so much so many stories i think there is there's great examples in the stories as well of like almost us throughout ages 
trying to come to terms with a lot of that. And that's not to say that we don't explore stories that we think the originators are just from a psychological fairy tale point of view. I think there there is a lot of stuff that could very easily be lying within a scientific possibility. And that's, again, that, that balance is what makes that what, you know, interesting. It's like, you know, to, to what degree do we see that being something that actually happened? And to what degree do we think that's some sort of therapy to ourselves in terms of us understanding all these elements? But I think, first of all, to me, it doesn't really matter which one it is and also they have a lot in common and especially how humans react to things that are very difficult or, or alien for them while at the same time having that desire to explore more and more into it sometimes being very hazardous to us and unfortunately also very hazardous to the, the things that live in the sea because as we know very well from our own history we're not the, the most kind conquerors as a species yeah i mean that's certainly true you know any 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 story you hear about whales or sharks eating people and anything well more more whales and sharks are killed by oh humans boy. every year. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying there about in the documentary you're talking about, about folklore stories and and like you say that as humans our psychological approach to things is to tell stories about it and, and explanations through stories yeah. which aren't necessarily an attempt to be scientific and factual. Uh, but your documentary, like you say, hovers that line and goes, but, ah, but, you know, we understand that, but actually is there a scientific thing? And just when you were talking there, it made me think of giant squid. Yeah. We now have these enormous giant squids, which are, and, and we've got evidence of them and they're filmed and people have specimens of yeah. them. But that's only in the last 10, 15 years, I think, that, you know, we've realized, oh, that is a real thing. Because before that, it was only stories of giant squid, but actually these things do exist. And, and as cameras get better and can get deeper into the ocean, we're starting to scientifically discover some of these things, which were only myths and stories even up to 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a huge part of it. And I know even though it's a cliche, we kind of wanted to say it again in the documentary. It's, you know, the, the whole thing of that we know less about the ocean floor than we do about the moon or even Mars um, in a lot of ways. It's true. And, and it really seems like it's like the last frontier on this planet for humans to explore. It's such a huge part of what the planet is, you know, it's mostly covered in water, you know, like it's, it's a huge part. And so, so there's so much history. There's so much science that's yet to be uncovered and tested and, and, and explored. And there's a lot of stories where before that just only had theories on it and be like, oh, that doesn't sound very plausible. But look, at, you look at in some of those accounts. I mean, the, in our sea monster section uh, about the story about the Daedalus ship and the, the Captain McQuay, who, you know, you know, he really stands by the fact that they saw this enormous sea serpent type monster. And there was a huge blowback from the Admiralty at the time being like, well, that's you know, that's a bunch of hooey. You can't say that you're, you know, you're in an important position. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't care. That's what I saw. And I'm going to describe it to you, you know, and uh, there was a, there was a big trial about all this and, and it went through. So yeah, we, we tried to bring some stories that are clearly talking about the folklore and what it means in a, in a such more vast folkloric and thematic way to humanity. But then there's like certain cases that really wanted to explore that chase for the paranormal, make it normal drive of also some of these, some of these stories have some very legit science behind it or history that if it was about anything else if it was about some king shagging someone that will be now in the history books and you have even more information behind some of those stories but now we're still regarding them as like eh, sounds a bit yeah fishy no pun intended i apologize that's why we put the legend slash completely historical proven uh you know in the 
in the annals of, of the Chronicles story of the wild men of Orford, where they described this, this weird encounter with this man they captured in the sea, and they, they took him to the castle, and they explored him and tortured him, and of course, being horrible to what we don't know. Yeah, it, it might be made up, may, maybe can be explained, but uh, there is a lot of it that cannot be explained, and we just have to we just have to try to figure it out with our modern science and sensibilities. Yeah, and do that thing of, like you said, look at the paranormal and try to make it normal, like discover what's yeah. the reality behind that and, and where's the source come from and that investigative kind of mind towards it and if we can't find that which which is by no means in inside world that like we have that ne- necessarily that ambition to be make a statement of like i really thought that was true and if you think it wasn't you know the hell with you or the opposite it's like oh that was clearly not true it's like, that's not as interesting to me it's like well if we don't know for sure I'm, we're going to present kind of both sides we're going to look at it but at least what i'm trying to do is like tell the story and if i can't extract like science scientific absolutely uh, proof for anything or, or disprove anything if we can't put the pin on it uh, at least what we want to do is extract the thematic relevance to what it means for now like we're still getting value out of these legends and these stories even if we don't know what exactly happened you know yeah. let, let's explore them let's see let's start thinking about maybe what exactly happened we'll do some sleuthing absolutely but at the same time we want to see the meaning of, of what that can be and what it means in terms of the, the whole theme because as we talked like last time i tried not to think of these documentaries as documentaries i you know i started with to feature narrative films we still that's a lot what we work on i think of stories as stories did they happen or not it's almost like irrelevant to me in some ways of how I think about about the storytelling like what's the thematic value what is this about and I tried to shoot them as well not like documentaries a bit more atmospheric a bit more poetic really put people in the in the in the mood of where we are and, and make it tactile and they can sort of like really go through an experience for the viewer in my sound a bit ambitious but really a new type of documentary that kind of blurs the line of what's an experience and what's just you getting some cool information and that's the focus really and then after that if, if we manage to also maybe dig a little bit deeper and add to the to the connecting of the dots in terms of the factual stuff great uh, that's almost like a bonus you, you uh, mentioned that the style of it which is really interesting because the the atmosphere, the the sounds, the the music, the soundscape really sucks you into this world of the sea and the mysteries around it. And then the visuals are really stunning as well. So how do you go about pulling that vision together then in the soundscapes and the visuals with, with was it archive material, but then did you shoot some elements yourself as well? How how does that mix come together? Yeah, well, well, th- thank you, first of all. And like I said, it all starts from, I think about as if I'm making a, a narrative film where both the information, the story and everything, it's it's all on you. You know, you start from scratch. Here, you don't start from a complete scratch. You're, we're adding, like you said, a lot of materials or we need to put some historical artwork in there or some proof of, like I said, even with the Daedalus ship, we know we wanted to show the drawings from the time that was made that Captain McQuay, for example, he commissioned an artist to draw what he saw and everything. But we always want to those to be like the best to fill in the information gaps. I work with a lot of really talented people that have that drive to give an authentic experience as well, sort of in this world of people now starting to get tired of things that are very, very uh, by committee and, and very clean and supermarket stuff. We're almost approaching it with this sort of free-range chicken type of filmmaking. Matthew Lamming, who does our scores, we worked on the drawing together, and I just thought that after we did that, like, Sarwell would be right up his alley, and we did it that way on Forest, and now we did that way on that film. 
and we're doing it that way. And now on the next side world, which is the way he records the themes and the atmosphere. We talk about these films and what we need in terms of what are our keywords, what are the, the feelings. And he recorded a lot of the score of Terrors of the Sea at actual shipwrecks in Ireland. You know, we went there with all the mics and mic'd it all up. And because he believes that that only, only gives him inspiration, but believes that there is a lot in the sound that's, that, that carries those vibes. And that's where you probably go a little bit into a quote-unquote side world territory. We're like, well, is that, that really the case or is it not the case? But with artists, you know, it almost doesn't matter. It's part of a whole vibe. And as long as that can translate, you know, really, how, how many times do you think about the score in a documentary film? Like, that's not really an aspect that you think it's that important or a, a full part of the experience. You don't kind of don't think that's an important bit to it. But to me, it really is. And to him, it really is. And we try to put that in as, as if we're scoring the drawing or any other narrative project we're making. Uh, same thing goes, we, we have authentic artwork, but also luckily he's my father. So it works really well. Like Todor Popov, he's an artist and I, I know his paintings are amazing and his drawings are amazing. So we try to, for some of our characters to come up with actual, our artistic interpretation or drawing of a certain character, like we did with the Jack Tar ghost or the wild man of Orford, the merman as well. So it was important to me that with certain characters, we get those drawings that they might seem like an artistic interpretation of the time of maybe who maybe who ex experienced them and then it was drawn and you saw it in an old book. But at the same time, it's clearly something that we have added rather than something that we pulled off that it was pre-existing. These elements really feel important. The way we shoot, like you said, in terms of the visuals, thank you for what you're saying. And a lot of people, even Forrest and on this one, they've been saying that they really appreciate the, the visuals and the shots. And because they, they talk about this, it really makes me understand that the, the, the that extra effort we're putting into not just be your kind of standard documentary look, but, but to really give it that narrative extra drive on the atmosphere that adds to it just puts you right there in the story and that's it it blurs the lines everything about Saddle is about blurring the lines of fact and fiction and I kind of almost want to do it with the genre you know the factual documentary and then the fictional film it's like well what if we start blurring the lines of those as well a little bit and as long as people enjoy that and that's who we are and that's what makes us unique and we'll be doing it more and more and we'll be... it does make a huge difference I think that style of like you say it's, it's an artistic interpretation where you're taking sources that you've researched and then sometimes presenting those sources but the other times you're putting a twist on it to bring that character to life as you say like with the merman and also yeah like go on the atmosphere these documentaries are something different it's not like listening to a podcast or watching a youtube video on it this is very cinematic work where the visuals and the, and the audio and the, the info you're getting and, and all the elements that you'd expect as filmmakers that we enjoy working with these other artists with the set designers and the composers and all these art forms pulled together the way we do as filmmakers that is all brought together in these side world documentaries now i do think it creates a really good atmosphere that sucks you into the stories and brings them to life well thank you i'm, I'm, I'm glad it does and and we, we try to explore that more and more obviously we, we have voice actors who come in and do some stories that also those are our uh, witness accounts that sometimes we do or reading of a historical figure you have the voice actors come in and do that and sometimes our wit eyewitness stuff is very weird because it's this they're semi-fictional as well because we grab a lot of real eyewitness stories that have been spread around books and the internet and everywhere that, that you have some of the the best most authentic ones but then which one do you pick to say and and some of them are quite difficult to really condense into something that's acceptable where it's not going to get boring it's like where is this going like we cherry pick the elements of all these stories and then we craft a fictional one 
with a fictional eyewitness, then the, the actor comes in and reads. So even those are like, the, yes, the, the, they're a fake, but they're absolutely inspired by all the real eyewitness stories that we saw and with the stories that fit. It's not all the stories, but with the ones that do, it really feels like we want to bring someone in and it kind of puts you into a first person view of someone experiencing the oddity or the entity or the creature or whatever it is. Again, it's taking the real inspiration and then bringing it to yeah. the artistic. The stories you cover, say you, you do a section on ghost ships, and I really like that one and learning about the Goodwin Sands and how so many ships being wrecked there and it seems like there's returning ghosts of, of these ships on there. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned mermaids and selkies and I'm a big fan of selkie films. That That's probably you know one of my favourite bits of sea folklore. Did you have a favorite type of story that you covered in the documentary? I think I have one in every particular subgenre of it, but it's difficult to bring too many other big historical events because it almost feels like that should be its own sidewall documentary theme. But we did put one supernatural war story into it, which was the one with the UB-85 sea monster with the submarine, the, the German submarine. I, I love that kind of stuff because the military usually doesn't have time to bullshit around with stuff like that or, or maybe it was a, a great ploy on the side of the the germans to explain why their u-boat suffered all these damages but when they interrogated all of them the, the captain and all the all the sailors all the submariners individually told the same story of, of this weird monster attacking them while they're on top because they had to resurface you know it's, it's the, the u-boats that really need to and they couldn't submerge after that because all the damages and then the british navy captured them i think that's just that's such a unique concept there that's a great, really great one to speculate on. I did like that one. It's that combination, isn't it? Which I guess is kind of maybe at the heart of this side world, Terrors of the Sea, is that that's a great example of mankind thinking it has this great technology and thinking yeah, it can oh, explore you know, wherever and conquer wherever, conquer the seas, above the sea, below the sea, that it's got the technology to do it, yet somehow nature gets in the way or, as speculated in the story, a sea monster attacks it, where this great conquering technology can't conquer the sea and i think that's that's a really good example of yeah. that gets the core of what the terrors of the sea is very well put because like the sea is like one of those examples still that humanity is still very young and as much as we think we know what we're doing we're still like the little kid running around with its toys kind of causing havoc and from time to time like mother nature just gives us a, a little bit of a slap we still realize that we have some time to go can you think of anything that drew you to the sea in the first place? I know for me, I, I grew up on the Northumberland coast, so what, mm. where I grew up was full of sea folklore, dolphins near me, the seals, and I live like three minutes from the beach, so we see those creatures in the smugglers' caves, and there's talk of a sea monster in the harbour there, and I guess it's always been a, around me, but was that the same for you growing up as well? Yeah, kind of. I mean, obviously, I, I grew up in, in the capital, in, in, in Sofia, so, which is on the, the west side of Bulgaria, so exactly in the opposite side of where the, the sea coast is. But my father was always a big, big sea guy, and it is to this day. I mean, he's at the seaside right now, actually, you know, snorkeling and diving around there, you know. So we would go every summer for a holiday there on the seaside in a couple of particular spots. And because we will go to the cliffs and the cliffs were always interesting. They're so visual and you have like so many different shapes and everything. And when the light hits, it all changes. So if you do go diving and looking with your mask and everything, which even back then I started to do. Yeah. When the light hits at a certain angle, especially when it kind of goes blue hour, you know, golden hour time towards the end of the day and the, the sun rays hit the light and you can see part of the, the, the sea, seaweed and, and corals and stuff, whatever. We don't really have corals and black sea, but things like that in the light. And then 
the rest of it's in complete darkness and you just don't know what's down there. You're a bit in awe. You're like, oh, this is scary, but this is also awesome. And then you, you, you swim above it looking down and it looks like you're flying above a huge cavern. A lot of people get really scared by that. And I get it, proper philosophobia. But I know to me, it was like I was scared, but also at the same time, I really loved it. And yeah, I think I think all of that goes into your mind. It all goes back into storage somewhere. And then later on, you think back about it and it comes back, resurfaces. And it is that fear of the unknown. And I used to have that. And yeah, when you're swimming across a bit of sea, that suddenly gets really deep and you can't see yeah. the bottom and you're like, oh, what, what's down there? And I think it is a, a thing for mankind as well. It's kind of what made mankind spread around so much. And those, you know, making boats out of logs and getting out and discovering yeah. all these islands and things. And it's a very human thing to try to, uh, humanity seems to have spread and, and go across the sea and journey to far out places. But like you say, it's that element of well, what else is out there that I yeah, don't Yeah, absolutely. About. I mean, it's, especially in this country. I mean, it's, uh, again, like to me, it's like I, I have all these feelings towards it and, and you know, those individual drives, but at the same time, a lot of what makes Terrors of the Sea interesting to be a lot of those stories being shot here is the fact that, you know, this this is this is a very nautical nation, you know, conquered half the world because of the sea. That's ingrained in the DNA of a lot of a lot of people here still to this day. There's so many stories of lives being lost at sea or that being being a huge part of the coastal towns or even even things that are more inland because, uh, you know, it's an island. You're completely surrounded by it. But at the same time, it's not Greece, right? It's not like always warm and inviting and kind of like oh you just kind of soak in it like uh, I was, when i arrived here i was like it's such a shame like I'm, I'm used to being from a big city i have to travel to the seaside but when you go there you're just like oh this is this is great and then here you have sea everywhere it's like mostly not being used for <laughs> for it's what to in my mind was the right purpose which is just to chill it's like the water is cold and you know what i mean like there are still parts like that but like that was my first impression so again that duality that combination count can be really especially when we shot we shot a lot stuff in Cornwall. So mainly we filmed in Wales and Cornwall and Kent and Suffolk and where we had like a lot of those stories where they came from and some other bits. Cornwall has really both. Like it, sometimes it seems so almost Mediterranean in, in certain areas and that makes it so sort of alien from the rest of the country. But you still feel that when that wind blows, you know, when you're right there on the cliffs and where we're at Land's End, like filming there and we got really exposed to when we, of course, we filmed a lot of it in February because what a great decision to, to make. But that made it more angry and interesting and the weather will change every two minutes from like sun to like wind to then rain to whatever you go through all these iterations i just can't believe like how these people even back in the day were managed to, to live in those places and that wind will blowing you all day every time you walk by the dock and then you go out and you fish in this ocean it's right there because the black sea is a glorified lake you know it's a, it's a it's a big really big place i know how huge that is but at the same time it's not really that exposed and it can still get so angry and so that's the, why they, the greeks called it the black sea because there'll be a lot of shipwrecks in there because of the weather but nothing compared to the atlantic ocean or the or the north sea and anything so yeah there's a huge amount of legacy of that in this country Side World Terrors of the Sea is your latest in the Side World one, and that's mm -hmm. out at the moment. And you also made Haunted Forest of England, which is another great documentary using these same techniques and, and bringing that to life. So what is next for your Side World series? Is What's the next one going to be themed around? For, for the next one, I can't quite say yet because uh, we're, we're getting close there, but I, I have, have some particular deadlines I need to adhere to. I will tell you, 
but we'll, we'll have like a proper announcement for it. So, but what I will say is that it'll be, it'll be again different. You know, we're, we're going from the forest to see, we're not doing immediately now, oh, mountains, you know, maybe we'll do that down the line. It will be, uh, we'll change up the trend a little bit just to, to feel fresh. So it's not just another natural biome that will come in the future, but we're, we'll be really releasing that around Halloween. So you'll have a very Halloween-y feel and it'll have a very uh, kind of staple subgenre of, of theme. So yeah, soon I will be announcing. I'm sorry that I, I can't do it just yet. We'll let you all know. Full three films for Halloween for everyone to really set up that it's going to be a, a long-standing series. So Cywell, Perils of the Sea is out now. How can people watch it? What's the best place to go to to watch the film? Yeah, uh, in, in the UK, probably the, the best way to watch it will be on, on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. There's a couple of other ways. It's on Google Play and a few more uh, platforms as well. I think you can also rent and buy it on, on YouTube Red or whatever they call it, them special channels that they have. In the US, I think you have a couple more options. You can also watch it on Tubi. It's a great platform. So if you are a US viewer, absolutely, you can also go on Amazon, but you have a couple more options. And if you are any other English-speaking country, Australia, you can also watch it. Pretty much everyone else, you'll probably have it available. And uh, yeah, if you follow us also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you'll be able to see where else we're on. And on Twitter and Facebook, what, what are your handles on there again? So there's at Rubik on Films UK is on Twitter and that's your production company. Yeah, we have at Sideworld UK, only Sideworld stuff on, on, on that handle. At uh, the George Popov, you'll be able to see me there. And also that we have a Sideworld page on Facebook alongside our, our Rubicon films and stuff about the drawing and everything. And then we have Rubicon Films UK on Instagram. I would suggest people do follow Rubicon Films and the Sideworld documentaries and yeah, check out the Sideworld docs. So Haunted Forest of England, which we did the podcast on a few months ago, is really good. But then this new one, Terrors of the Sea, is brilliant for folklore and folk horror tales. Supernatural and some more realistic or based on the, the Terrors of the Sea. And it's really atmospheric and brilliant bit of storytelling so yes people do that uh george thanks very much for coming on the show really enjoyed chatting again thanks very much man always always great to be here i'm looking forward to the next time thank you for joining us for this episode of the dream swarm podcast i've been your host andy mark simpson we hope you'll join us for the next one Remember, you can subscribe to stay in touch with future episodes and follow us at the website www.dreamswarm.org or follow on Twitter and Instagram at Dreamswarm. And we look forward to joining you for more supernatural film stories and art. In the meantime, be creative, be curious, be kind. We'll see you soon.